One of the most memorable moments from last season for the New Jersey Devils was beating their arch rival from across the Hudson River, the New York Rangers, in seven games in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And during the regular season, the Devils had some hard-fought battles with the Rangers in that sort of aspect as well. So going into the new season, especially with the Rangers projected to be one of the top contenders in the Metropolitan Division, we definitely need to see how they fare against the Devils. And joining me on today's show is well-known NHL content creator and personality, Johnny Lazarus. So we're going to talk all things Rangers, how they fared against the Devils last season, and what are Johnny's expectations for the Rangers going into the new year. There's a lot to break down in today's episode of Locked on Devils with Johnny. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey plug play announcer, Dell's right for Pucks and Pitchforks, and also part-time credential MIA member, Trey Matthews. Okay, the season is fast approaching, and the past 24 hours have been somewhat interesting in the Metropolitan Division, especially with the resignation of Columbus Blue Jackets head coach, Mike Babcock. But on today's episode, we're going to analyze the New Jersey Devils' arch rival from across the Hudson River, the New York Rangers. Joining me on today's show is a guy who has made quite the name for himself, in the hockey world, an analyst and host for the NHL platform, a content creator for Bleacher Report, and also a full-time writer covering the Rangers for the hockey news. Not only that, but he's the co-host of the Blue Crew podcast and a former college hockey player for the University of Massachusetts. It's Johnny Lazarus. Johnny, how you doing? What's up, Trey? Thank you so much for the uh, the kind intro. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little afraid to be on a devil show, but uh, you know, let's give it our best shot. And hopefully I don't get a lot of hate here as a, as a Ranger guy. Oh, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> this, this is to just preview Devils, Rangers. So it, you can talk good about the Rangers all you want on my show. So don't, don't, don't worry about it. So Johnny, I had one of your colleagues on my show quite frequently. It's Chris, Christy Flannery uh, who covers the devil's sort of hockey news. So it's nice to get another writer from the hockey news to uh, appear on this show. But I uh, just wanted to give a shout out for Christy for uh, getting me in contact with you. But let's get right into it. So paint a picture for the New York Rangers is 2022-2023 season. What went right? What didn't go right? Basically, anyone who didn't follow the Rangers religiously, how did it go from your perspective? Yeah. Uh, also, before I do that, Christy is the best. So shout out to her. Um, you know, she was awesome for me in round one, showed me around the Prudential Center, basically knew everyone in that building. Um, so she made round one a lot more fun for me. But the picture I'd paint for the Rangers uh, in 2022, 23 is obviously just massive disappointment. Right. Because, you know, you bring in all this skill level and all this talent and these big names and then you're, you're not able to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes that could be a flaw. Right. So this year it could be like addition by subtraction for the Rangers. You know, not having Patrick Kane or Vladimir Tarasenko just because, you know, let's face it, those two names, as, as good as hockey players as they are, they could be somewhat of distractions on the ice. Like anyone who played with Patrick Kane was somewhat deferring to him. And, you know, I don't want to say the same for Tarasenko, but I think 
Patrick Kane just has this name where, you know, I, I think for anyone around him, you're aware that he's there, right? Like on the ice in the room. And I'm not saying he's a distraction, but you know, sometimes I think players often more than not defer to him. And uh, you know, I think that's a little bit what happened last year. We saw it in the power play in the playoffs. The Rangers were, you know, typically a passive power play unit, but became even more passive when Kane was out there because no one was really looking to take the shot first. They all wanted to see what play Kane would make. And, you know, I think in the long run, I don't want to say they weren't able to click, but they didn't have that like extra oomph that the Devils had. Uh, there was no necessarily uh, chip on their shoulder, which the Devils had. You know, the Devils, everyone said, were playing with house money. The Rangers were the team that was expected to go all the way. And they didn't have that little extra boost that they needed to, to prove the world wrong in a sense. Um, and I think that's somewhat what went wrong. And, you know, obviously the, the questions with the coach to our Gallant, uh, wasn't able to put the talent together in, in the proper way or put the right pieces of the puzzle together because, you know, there were so many different line combinations that they tried and, and things worked, things didn't work, but nothing seemed to work consistently. And I think that was the biggest issue with last year's team was that consistent factor. And I think that's something the Rangers will look for this year. And that's something Peter Laviolette prides himself on is being able to hold his team to a certain standard where with Gallant, there wasn't really a standard that the Rangers had to meet. Uh, you know, each night you never really knew what team you'd get you get a team that can score six goals or you get a team that couldn't find the back of the net. So, um, you know, I think that was an issue last year and the biggest issue is probably consistency. So to finish off the 2022, 2023 season, the Rangers had a record of 47, 22 and 13. They finished third in the metropolitan division below the hurricanes and the devils. What were your expectations going into the 2022, 2023 season? Because, Obviously, the Devils exceeded expectations, but I uh, thought that the Rangers would be one of the top teams in the Metro, and they were. But I don't think anyone anticipated for the Devils to have this huge surge of development, and that kind of put a hinder on like the, the favorites, which were the Rangers and the Hurricanes. But I just want to hear your expectations. Where did you think the Rangers would finish? What direction did you think they were going to head in? So it's funny because I've made a lot of comparisons from the Rangers expectations last year to the devil's expectations for this year. Um, you know, I think the Rangers were a little bit ahead of what they thought would be in their rebuild by going to the conference final in 21, 22. And similar to the devils this year, I don't want to say they're a little bit ahead, but you know, no one really expected them to make it past the first round of the playoffs. Not a lot of people even thought they would make the playoffs to begin with. So, you know, now they're talked about as an elite cup contender where it could be a little bit ahead of expectation and for me last year, like, you know, the roster the Rangers finished with was not the roster the Rangers started with. Um, you know, I still had my question marks about their five and five scoring because, you know, if you remember correctly, Jimmy Vesey was a first line right winger last year to start the season. Like, you know, in what world is Vesey? And no disrespect to Vesey, but he's not necessarily a first line NHL player. Oh, no, um, I, I, I totally understand. Vesey yeah. is a former devil. So I, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's not like the Rangers were this, you know, top to bottom flawless team last year going into the season um, on paper, at least. But when, after the deadline happened, you know, there weren't many holes on the roster, like the Ranger fans and, and Rangers and organization was looking for, you know, another elite sniper. They got that in Vladimir Tarasenko and they needed a second line right winger. That was elite. And they got Patrick Kane. So like they, they filled all the holes that they needed, but you know, at the start of the year, I wouldn't have predicted the Rangers to win the division. I, and I still won't, and I still won't predict the devils to win the division to me. It's still, Carolina's division they've won it I think four or five years in a row now and they have not gotten worse over the years so I don't think the Rangers or Devils should be favored over the Hurricanes to win it still 
Um, but yeah, my expectations for the last year for the Rangers was to, you know, at least get to the second round. Um, you know, I'd be lying if I said I thought they would go to the conference final again. But with Igor Shosturkin in goal, I, I thought it was possible. Um, but I, I did predict actually before the season started for the Rangers to lose in the first round last year. So I am happy with that. My prediction came true, but I'm not happy that it came true at the same time. Cause I wanted the Rangers to win, obviously. Yeah. So come the trade deadline uh, mid season, the, the Rangers obviously were trying to compete. So what they did was they uh, acquired Vladimir Tarasenko. Tarasenko is a, is a player that I talked uh, uh, on this show quite frequently in the past because I said, despite his injuries, he could still be a serviceable player. And then uh, they also get Patrick Kane, who is probably the best American player to ever play the game. His best years are kind of behind him, but still that's, that could have been a serviceable player to add onto the roster. Basically the Rangers were trying to go down swinging and they get Tarasenko and they get Kane, but didn't really go as planned. So I want to hear your perspective on it. How did you think those trades and uh, acquisitions went for the Rangers? What went right? What went wrong? And ultimately, Kane is still hurt, and I think he's still on the open market. Tarasenko went uh, to the Senators. Basically, uh, give us that perspective. I mean, listen, I I think anytime your organization goes all in and puts all their chips in the middle of the table, like how could you really be upset with that? Uh, Obviously, they kind of risk the future of this team, but – they were in, you know, cap hell anyway. So it's not like had they gone a different direction, it would have been, you know, an easy breeze this offseason. They knew they had a lot of stuff to figure out just from previous management and whatnot as well. Um, so getting Kane and Tarasenko for what they got them for, I thought was a no-brainer. And I'll, you know, die on that hill because I wouldn't have changed it any other way. I know, you know, a lot of fans might say that they would have preferred the Rangers to get a guy like Tanner Janot, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, sure, he's a grittier power forward, but like, you know, is he going to be the guy that gets the Rangers to beat the Devils? No. Uh, I think playing against the Devils and losing against the Devils uh, shows clear flaws in what the Rangers were missing, and that's, you know, team speed and I guess overall just team defense as well because, you know, there were moments where the Devils had the Rangers hemmed in their own zone and the Rangers could not figure out the Devils' speed and skill. So, you know, today's NHL has gotten much faster. The Rangers have not gotten much faster as a team. And that could be something that holds them back down the road here. But, you know, I think you have to learn those things in order to figure it out and move forward. And, uh, you know, I think once the Rangers do figure out their money and how they're going to spend their money and allocate all their money with the players that they currently have, I definitely believe they'll look to make this team a faster team. Um, you know, I think we've seen that with other teams in the past that didn't have a lot of success that found it later on, like Colorado struggled in the playoffs for years and years and years, and they found the right pieces of the puzzle and they were able to put it together and and win a Stanley cup. Um, And I think that Colorado team had just as much, if not more skill top to bottom than the Rangers have had in the past couple of years as well. You know, Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, two of the top five players in the NHL, in my opinion, and the Rangers don't have, you know, I'd say a top 10 player on their roster. So it's obviously a little bit different, but the Rangers, in, in my opinion, have four of the top 30 players in the league. Uh, so, you know, I think going forward, this is a learning lesson and, and you got to, you know, lose in order to win. Right. So um, I think when you look back on the 2022, 23 NHL season for the Rangers, it's going to be a big uh, step in the right direction, at least as far as what this team needs. OK, so I, I, I feel like we cannot talk about the Rangers and not talk about their goaltending. And obviously at the helm of it is 
Igor Shesterkin. So Shesterkin won the Vezda in 2022. He appeared in his first All-Star game just this past season. What can you say about Shesterkin and his development as a player? And how much faith do you have in him to be the the sort of the handler uh, uh, of just trying to take the Rangers to the next level? Because he is a phenomenal goalie. I'm I'm not even going to debate you on that, but I just want to hear your thoughts on Igor and where he's at, at at a player at this point in his career. Not only is he a phenomenal player, but I think he also has that compete factor that Henrik Lundqvist had too. Um, you know, I think if you ask Igor Shosturkin, he'd want to play in all 82 games, but obviously that's just, you know, not what we do in today's NHL. Like you, you need goalies to get their rest. And, you know, I think that was something that hindered him a little bit last year was, um, you know, I think, the postseason run he had the year before, you know, maybe he just wasn't built for the longevity of doing it again. And, you know, I'm not knocking him at all because he was phenomenal in the first round against the Devils, but his regular season was a little bit rocky. And, uh, you know, I think that's something this year that he's going to, you know, have a chip on his shoulder in a sense of um, how he performs just because, you know, he wasn't happy last year with how he performed in the regular season. And listen, I think this guy, no doubt about it, top three NHL goalie, right? Like you can talk about Vasilevsky and Sorokin as the other two. And, you know, I think the Rangers have a chance to, like, win the Stanley Cup whenever Igor Shosturkin's in the blue paint. So, um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to win the Cup this year, but I would never count them out because of Igor Shosturkin. I think that's how good he is. And I do love his overall attitude and compete. And I know people knock him for, you know, sometimes not talking to the media after a rough game. But listen, like, you know, I think anyone who's played the game has been there. If you don't have your best night, you, the last thing you want to do is talk about it. So I'll never knock him for that. And, uh, you know, I know as a media member, it sucks when he doesn't want to talk, but um, you know, I, I have a certain respect level for him that he's open and honest about the times where he doesn't want to do it. And he, and, you know, instead of just giving lackluster BS answers to the media, he just flat out won't talk to them. And, and that's something that I can respect. I'm not saying all players should do it, but sometimes not saying something is also saying something. And, uh, you know, as far as Shesterkin goes, like this guy should be an all-star yet again. He should be in the Vesna conversation yet again. And I think the Rangers can win any night that he's in goal. Yeah, I mean, you basically just described Jack Hughes because I remember a game in which I covered and someone tried to approach him and Jack says, I got nothing to say to you guys. And <laughs> he just uh, walked out. I mean, I don't think Jack is trying to be a diva or anything. He just doesn't want to give, like like you said, like a BS kind of answer. And I think Igor Shesterkin is the same way. It can be sometimes frustrating as a media member because it's just like, look, we want to hear from the star player. We want to hear it from your end. But at the same time, having played sports before, I, I'm a former college athlete myself. You're a former college athlete. If you uh, lose a game and someone has a camera and a, and, a, and a mic in your face like five minutes afterwards, I don't think you'd be the happiest camper either. Because no. especially if you feel like the loss was on your shoulder. So I can kind of understand it from that sort of perspective. And let me just say one thing, too, because I know this is a devil show. Jack Hughes is my favorite person to talk to in the NHL. And I know he gets a lot of, uh, you know, backlash for his answers with the media sometimes, but I've gotten to know Jack pretty well now over the last two years. And, and he's my favorite player in the NHL, not only just because of his on ice, but also because of just his ability to be himself at all times. And that's something that I think is so important in today's game. And I could not literally stress enough how much I love that kid. And, uh, I just wanted to say that on the show because you brought it up. And and I think, you know, Jack obviously has his relationships with certain members of the media and, um, you know, maybe isn't willing to give his full self to other people. But he's always been super nice to me and 
you know, I feel we've built a nice relationship over the past couple of years. And, and he's a guy that I always look forward to talking to. And, you know, I can't wait to the Rangers play the devil because I'd love to get a, a good quote from Jack. Wow. You're the first person to uh, say that because yeah. uh, I, I love the kid. I really do. I, I love him too. And I always just say, maybe he's just camera shy. Maybe he just doesn't want to do an interview. And I totally respect it because I see him playing soccer in the, in, in the walkway with his teammates. He's lively. He's, expressive he's cracking jokes and and then when the camera gets in his face he sort of like mumbles he puts his head down he gives a look that he'd rather be anywhere else but <laughs> i always just said like look he's just he's just camera shy he, he probably just doesn't like to do interviews he's still relatively young it's not that i don't like jack hughes but i prefer to interview somebody else in the locker room maybe like nico heischer or i honestly don't mind interviewing like uh uh, players that might not have a big role on the team, like Brendan Smith. Brendan Smith is a great guy to mm -hmm. interview, and I think that translates into the locker room as well. Uh, I think you're familiar with uh, Smith and his uh, overall game, which isn't really all that much, but still, it's just like um, he's a he's a definitely an interesting person to interview. But let's get back on track. So let's talk about uh, the before we talk about Rangers and Devils. Let's talk about this offseason for the Rangers and how they're stacking up going into the new year. So they parted ways with Gerard Gallant at, uh, shortly after the playoffs concluded, they bring in Peter Laviolette. And then some of the more notable offseason moves was getting Blake Wheeler. Wheeler is a two-time all-star. Then uh, Nick Benino. Benino won back-to-back -back Stanley cups with the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. And then when looking at uh, some players you retained, you got Keandre Miller. He signed a two-year extension uh, uh, Alexi Lafreniere, he signed a two-year extension. Basically, how did this offseason go for the Rangers? Because from my perspective, it doesn't seem like they did anything like groundbreaking. But, you know, Benito and Wheeler are two veteran guys that can definitely have somewhat of a decent role. And now backing up Shesterkin is Jonathan Quick, who just won another Stanley Cup with the Vegas Golden Knights. So, uh, I think people are a little iffy on quick at this point in his career. So basically, how did this offseason go for the Rangers? I mean, they basically signed an entire beer league team at Chelsea Pier uh, with the age and, and whatnot. But, you know, I think the Rangers did what they could do with the amount of money they had to spend. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would say, and I'm not just saying this with Ranger bias, but Blake Wheeler could have been the steal of the offseason for what they got him at. Um, you know, 800K, a guy who's put up back-to-back 90-point -back seasons, and he'll come in and play a big role. Um, you know, he's been in Winnipeg now for over a decade, and I think a fresh start will be good for him. I know he's 37 years old, but, you know, he's a guy that the Rangers can certainly use, a guy that's gritty in front of the net, a guy that plays a strong, heavy game. Is he the fastest guy in the NHL? No, but the Rangers need more physicality, and they need guys that just play an angry, heavier style. Um, so bringing him in, I think, is great. Nick Benino, obviously another guy, like you said, fourth-line veteran experience, has won cups. Um, you know, I don't think he'll have the biggest role in the team, but he'll do a lot of the little things that aren't as sexy, um, like similar to what Tyler Mott did. And then, you know, Jonathan Quick, anytime you bring in a Conn Smythe winner, a guy that's, you know, carried a team to the Stanley Cup, he just won the Cup last year with Vegas, although he didn't play as much, uh, just to have him, you know, inch Sturkin's ear and, and back him up and just, you know, talk him through everything, right? Like Quick's, Quick's a guy who's been through it all in his career. And I think it's so cool, too, to have the opportunity for him to come play for his hometown team. He grew up in Connecticut and was a huge Rangers fan. So I think it's just a little bit more special for him. 
Um, you know, but they also signed a ton of other guys. Like Tyler Pillick is another one who I think will have a pretty significant impact on the team, a fourth line guy that, you know, again, does those little things. The Rangers needed more depth and they needed more physicality. They needed more guys that play that playoff style. We saw what this team did when they had all the talent and skill in the world and it didn't work. So now you need to kind of go in a different direction where you get all the maybe, you know, grit and heaviness in the world and see how that goes. Um, but you know, I, I think there wasn't much that they could do this offseason, and they definitely made the most of it. But, you know, again, I've said it a lot this summer, and I'm not really going to know what this team has until 20 games in because, you know, I think it's going to take a bit of time for them to gel. Obviously, there is some familiarity so far on the roster, but uh, it's a new look. So uh, I'm really curious to see how this team comes out of the gate, especially under new staff. Yeah, so like you said, signing older guys seems to be the niche for the Rangers the last year or so. We talked about Tarasenko. We talked about Kane. Now we talked about Bonino, Wheeler, Quick. Um, and obviously, like like you said, Wheeler, Quick, and Bonino, they've achieved a lot in this league, but their better days are probably behind them. Like they're on the other side of that sort of fence. But let's uh, talk about your expectations going into the 2023-2024 season. Where do you see the Rangers finishing in the Metro? Do you see them improving? Do you see them taking a couple steps back or maybe staying somewhat stagnant? So it's interesting. I feel like I go so back and forth on this. There are some days where I think the Rangers could finish fourth or fifth, and then there's other days where I, th I think they could finish second. Um, you know, to me, I think it's still the Carolina Hurricanes division, like I said before. I think they're number one. The Devils, I think, you know, listen – I was all over the Devils last year to make the playoffs. Like I thought they were so underappreciated going into last season. But this year, and I know the moves they made, I think they might be a little bit overhyped this year. And I think that hype could creep into the room a little bit where they could finish maybe third in the division. I think Wichester and the Rangers could end up being second. And it all depends on how the Pittsburgh Penguins do because they bring in Eric Carlson. Jake Gensel's hurt to start the year. And Tristan Jari has had some health issues over the last couple of seasons. But if the Penguins can figure it out and put it together – I could see the Penguins finishing second, which will bump back the Rangers to like third or fourth. Um, so I think it depends on the other teams. I think the Rangers obviously control their own destiny too with Shesterkin, Fox, um, Panarin, and Mika. Like those are four elite talented players. But, you know, I think there is a lot of strength in this division. So it's going to be tough. But also, you know, under Laviolette, it's going to be interesting to see how these players adjust. And, uh, you know, I think Laviolette could be the right voice for them. So I'm going to say... On this show, as of right now, where I stand, I think the Rangers finish second. But I do think a lot of it hinders on the other teams. So you think the – I guess this kind of segues into the next uh, subject, which is uh, previewing the Rangers and Devils. You think the the, the Devils are somewhat overhyped or you think they're going to crash and burn? Can you – like, why is that your perspective? I don't think they're going to crash and burn. I think the Devils are going to be good. But you see what happens when teams are a little bit overhyped, like just in general um, and when they're underhyped in general, right? Like the Devils were playing so free and loose last year because there was no pressure on them. But now that everyone is talking about the Devils to be an elite Stanley Cup contender, if things go wrong, it's going to creep into the room a little bit. Like we've seen it happen so many times. Um, and the same thing for the Rangers, right? Like 21-22, the Rangers weren't talked about as much. And then they go on this conference final run because, again, they're a team playing with house money, not much expectation. So I think these storylines just happen more often than not, where the Devils are an amazing team on paper. I'm not saying they're a bad team. They're probably a better team than the Rangers, I think, if you look at the roster. But 
when you bring in the emotional effect and the overall pressure that a lot of teams face, sometimes it just goes in a negative way. And, you know, I've seen it happen with Colorado. I've seen it happen. You know, I think Vegas two years ago doesn't even make the playoffs and then they win the Stanley Cup the following year. You know, Vegas was a team that was picked to win the Stanley Cup almost every season by a lot of analysts and, and people that cover the game because they've been a really strong team. And, you know, things just happen in the NHL season where things go wrong and it's a you know ripple effect and and sometimes teams just aren't able to recover. So, you know, I think with the success the Devils had last year, if they don't come out of the gate looking good, you know, sometimes things can just go wrong, um, you know, but I'm not saying they're a bad team. Like, I think the Devils are great. And they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's just having the pressure on them. I'm curious to see what they can do with it. Well, yeah, there's always going to be pressure. I remember talking to the players about this during exit interviews, and they didn't get off to a good start last year. Like, there was a push to get Lindy Ruff fired by the fan base. Like, we, we heard the fire Lindy chance at the, at the Rock early on in the year. But the one thing I could say for the Devils is that they're pretty much keeping the same band together, mm-hmm. and they've, they've added uh, someone like Tyler Toffoli, but uh, he's replacing uh, Thomas Tatar in that sense because Tatar was on the top six alongside – with Heischer and Mercer. So you kind of upgrade in that regard. I think the biggest X factor for the Devils is obviously going to be the goaltending. Because because BTAC Vanacek, he didn't really perform all that well in the playoffs. But during the regular season, he was the first Devils goalie since Martin Brodeur uh, to to get 30-plus wins. And then you saw the rise of Akira Schmidt firsthand. Like, we always knew that Akira Schmidt was good, but it was finally put on a national scale. Mm-hmm. And on the defensive side of things, yes, the Devils lost Damon Severson and Ryan Graves. But the one thing I could say for the Devils is that they have some good replacements. So Luke Hughes kind of forced Ryan Graves out of town because Hughes outperformed Graves during the playoffs. And then uh, for Damon Severson, he was going to get paid. The Devils were anticipating for him to leave. and But Fitzgerald wanted to keep the band together at least for the regular season because he wanted Severson to be a part of the playoff run. And then you replace him with Colin Miller. And I think for Miller is that the less you ask out of him, the better he's going to perform. He was playing top line minutes with the stars and for the devils, he's going to be used as a bottom four defenseman. And then for the, then you got to look at Shimon the Mets. So I know there's going to be more pressure. The devils had a historic season. They, they broke the franchise record for most wins, which was 52. Can they get 53 wins? Probably unlikely, but even if they get like, like anywhere from 40 to 50 wins and are still in the playoff hunt and are still like one of the top teams in the Metro, then I don't think it's them taking a step backwards. It's just really hard to overcome a historic season. Like just ask the Boston Bruins, they broke the record for most wins and most points in a, in a regular season. And then uh, obviously uh, they, they lost their, their longtime uh, player in Patrice Bergeron, but um, so I don't, I can't speak for the Boston Bruins and how they're going to improve, but I think for the devils, like uh, I, I get it that they're the talk of the town in the Metro, but I think the window is just opening for Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, and Timo Myers finally going to be given a full 82 game season to suit up in a devil sweater. So I get what you're saying, but at the well, same yeah, time- I'm not disagreeing with you. Like the devils got better. Like I'm not saying they're a bad team at all. I'm just saying, you know, no, and talking- I, I didn't say you, I didn't say you yeah. thought they were a bad team. I just said like, I get it. Like it's hard to eclipse a historic season, yeah. but I still think they're going to be one of the top teams in the Metro because of the, of their age, how they play the game and, and the skill that they were able to retain and also upgrade with. I'm just saying, I guess from like the overall landscape, like 
how often is a team talked about as an elite Stanley Cup contender when, you know, years before they weren't even knocking on the door of the playoffs and they win one game in the second round. And now all of a sudden they're the sexy pick to win the cup, right? That just, that's just what they are. They are the sexy pick and I'm all for it. Cause I love watching the devils play. I just told you Jack Hughes is my third player in the league and I'm a Ranger guy. Like, right, you know, right, right. I, I, I'm not just saying that. Right. Um, but I think like, you know, all these teams that have won the cup in recent years, they've all been knocking on the door years prior to that. Right. Like I know Vegas missed the playoffs the year before they won, but they were a team that was in conference finals. They, they've had experience. They've been there and done it. Colorado Avalanche, they were knocking on the door. They've been there. They just couldn't find a way to get over the hump. The Devils are just now arriving. So I think to call them a cup contender is just a little bit of an overhype. But again, I think they're going to be really good, and it won't surprise me if they go far. But to sit here and talk about a team that made their first postseason in like five years and won one game in the second round and to have them be the Stanley Cup contender, I think that's just a little bit of an overhype. And if I'm a Devils fan, I wouldn't want the hype. Being an underdog is so much better for your team. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, the window is just opening. So yeah. even if they're not cup contenders this year, I think there's if they still have somewhat of a successful season, you would still pick them next year because one thousand percent. Yeah, one thousand percent. Yeah, when I'm looking at like some of the 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 favorites, um, some some one uh, news source said that the Devils could go back to back in what 2025, 2026, something like that because. I think uh, the favorites out of the Metro are obviously the Hurricanes. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I get what you're saying, and you're absolutely right in that sense because experience does play a huge factor for the Devils. But um, the one thing I could just say is, like, even if they're not going to be favorites this year or even if they don't, like, make it far in the playoffs, they still got next year, the year after. Yeah, that. oh, my God. They're yeah. going to be amazing for 10 years. Right. They, their, their core is still together, and you, and that's why you bring in someone like Tyler Toffoli who's won before Eric Holla, He's made deep playoff runs before. Um, so the experience and now Jack Hughes finally know what it's like to play after an 82 game season and not go straight home to the Bahamas after the season is over. They now have that experience <laughs> yeah. under the belt. But the big question is like, how are the goaltenders going to fare? And we're just going to have to wait and see. Don't worry. There's still more in store with Johnny, but before we continue, I want to tell you guys about bird dogs because summer might be over, but you still need to look good and you need some breathable material for your body. So bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you can get a way slimmer fit. Without having to sacrifice movement, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Bird Dogs are functional for any occasion, whether you're golfing, out on a date with that special someone, evening out, pool, workout, you name it. Go to birddogs.com slash NHL or enter promo code LockedOnNHL at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NHL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take off your Bird Dogs. I promise you and now let me tell you guys about a product that i use literally every day so i started taking ag1 because i wanted to be happier i wanted to be healthier my body's a temple i gotta start treating as such i drink it in the morning before i go work out before i record an episode because i have that nutritional supplement in my body so ag1 is a foundational nutrient supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health ag1 replaces your multivitamin probiotic and more in one simple drinkable habit 
source-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients, AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. AG1 helps you build your health, foundational burst. So all great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies, and you need to start doing so too with AG1. Trust me, I've never been more healthy or happier when I go to the gym or whatever the case might be. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need, from your supplemental routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. Check it out. All right, let's get back to our discussion with Johnny as we talk more about the Rangers and Devils. Take it away once again. Like I said, this kind of segues into the next subject. I know we both went on a bit of a tangent, but uh, let's talk Devils, Rangers, and how that went last year because – they gave us some memorable uh, matchups. So I uh, first game the Devils played against the Rangers was in late November. Devils came out victorious by a score of 5-3 to three at Madison Square Garden. Then in early December, Devils, uh, uh, I believe, took the Rangers to overtime. They came out on the losing end 4-3. Uh, to three. Then uh, this was one of my favorite games to be at the Prudential Center for and, and to cover. And this was when Jack Hughes went absolutely uh, bananas. Uh, January 7th, Devils win 4-3. to three. Then March 30th, it was, a, I would say, it was sort of a statement victory for the Devils once again. They came out victorious by a score of 2-1. to one. So the Devils, they never lost in regulation to the Rangers until the playoffs. So before we talk about the playoffs, and I guess you already gave uh, your sense of version of it, um, what, what did you think of the Rangers when they were playing against the Devils? I mean, the Devils scared the crap out of me all year. Uh, you know, I was pretty open about that on, on social media and whatnot. And, you know, I think it was interesting the first couple of games, I believe the team that took a two nothing lead off the bat ended up losing. I think it was the Rangers first, the devil's second, uh, when the devil's won five, three, I think the Rangers had an early two nothing lead in that game of the garden. And then, um, you know, I think the same thing the next time when the Rangers won and he scored that overtime goal, the devil's had a two nothing lead. So that was interesting, but, um, yeah, the, I mean, the devils are built better. Uh, the devils are a team where. You know, right now, if I'm picked to say who's winning this game tonight, Rangers Devils, I'm probably taking the Devils nine out of ten times. Um, but you know, I think, I guess, as far as the regular season goes, like going into this year, or are we still talking about last year? Uh, we're talking about last year. We'll get into this upcoming year momentarily. Yeah, I mean, those games were fun as hell, right? Like, um, they, they put on a show for Rangers and Devils fans. I think every time they met, and that's the expectation. I think this year too. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's the, the only game I don't remember that March 30th game you referenced. I don't remember. I don't really remember that one. Yeah. So Devils came out victorious by a score of uh, two to one. And that was at the Prudential Center. It was late in the year. So uh-huh. at, at that point, we knew like what was going to happen. Both teams were going to make the playoffs. And uh, that was a game in which uh, Eric Hollis scored, Timo Meyer scored, Chris Kreider scored. So. Um, I'd say on the devil's end, that was definitely a good preview for the playoffs because it gave the devil some hope because I believe at this point, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. I think mm-hmm. it was solidified that the devils would take on, um, or it, it was pretty much guaranteed that the devils would take on the Rangers because too many factors would have had to go the devil's way in order for them to get the first seed in the Metro. So mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, so I'd, I'd say that was definitely a good preview for the playoffs. But, yeah, that um, – but it was late in the year. We, we, we both knew the Rangers and Devils were going to make the playoffs, which 
I guess now we go into uh, the playoffs, which in which the Rangers jumped out to a two nothing lead. They want they swipe two games at the Prudential Center. Then the Devils go to Madison Square Garden. They swipe two games themselves. It's basically anyone's game series is tied two two. Um, and then Devils win uh, game five. Rangers win game six. And then the two most famous words in sports, game seven at the Prudential Center. And the Devils uh, win their first playoff series since 2012 and go on to the second round. But let's just talk about that series in general. So, like I said, Rangers swipe two. They, they absolutely put the hammer down on VTAC Vanacek. Their power play led by Chris Kreider was really good. It it And they win back-to-back games 5-1. And then uh, going to the uh, Madison Square Garden, Dougie Hamilton had an OT game-winning goal. Uh, that gave the Devils their first playoff win since 2018. Then the Devils uh, win 3-1 in game four at Madison Square Garden. And basically the reset button has been hit. Then game five, Devils shut out the Rangers 4 to nothing. And then game six, the, it seemed like the Rangers figured out Akira Schmidt a little bit. Devils didn't have their best outing. Then game seven, Akira Schmidt shut out the Rangers once again, four to nothing. Devils advance. So, Johnny, how did that series go from your end? And, like, basically, what was, like, the mindset after uh, this seven-game series? Well, it's funny. I talked about it with Dan Rosen from the NHL uh, after game seven, and – you know, a lot of the story, I think, was the Rangers collapsing You know, after having a 2 nothing lead in the series. That was what people were kind of running with. But, you know, when we talked about it, I think the interesting perspective was not the Rangers collapsing, but it was where the hell were the Devils in game one and game two? Like the Devils that we saw from games three to seven was the Devil team we saw all year long. So, you know, I think it was interesting. I guess maybe the, the playoff jitters kind of got to them in games one and games two. But, you know, game three, four, five, six, seven was the devil team I watched all year. So, uh, you know, I think it wasn't necessarily the, the Rangers, you know, lacking. Of course, they couldn't score goals. And, you know, their power play struggled in the games they lost. And that was an interesting stat was in all four games the Rangers lost in that series, they didn't score a power play goal. And in all three games they won, they did score a power play goal. So the Rangers kind of fed off their power play a little bit. But the Devils, I thought, were going to be in way more control than they were obviously in games one and games two. Um, so that was a bit of a surprise. And maybe, you know, I think a lot of people talked about experience versus non-experience in the series early on, and it showed in, in game one and game two. But uh, for whatever reason, the Rangers just, you know, couldn't figure the Devils out uh, uh, in the back half of the series. Um, and I think that was the case in the regular season also. The Devils were the more dominant team when they met in the regular season. And, you know, I think a lot of people thought that would carry into the playoffs. And, and it's funny because, you know, as much as, the hype was around the Rangers in the playoffs. The Devils were still favored in the series by, you know, most books and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, it was interesting to see how it played out. But I think the storyline was more so the Devils just finally finding their game, you know, as the series went on, as opposed to the Rangers collapsing. And of course, the Rangers did not, you know, play to their best. But that's a credit to the Devils, um, you know, because the Devils kind of shut them down and, and didn't let them. The Devils brought their game to the Rangers. So, um, you know, obviously very disappointing for the Rangers side of this series and very encouraging for the Devils side. But when you look back on that series, like the Rangers had no business being up to nothing going home if the Devils, you know, bring their best effort in games one and games two. And then it's a totally different storyline. And then on the flip side, 
if the Rangers find a way to score a goal in overtime in game three, like who the hell knows what happens? Like maybe Gerard Gallant still has his job. Maybe the Rangers beat Carolina. Like, you know, it, it's a huge what if, right? Because a three nothing lead in a series is almost a stranglehold as opposed to two nothing, especially when that game four is on home ice. So uh, obviously it's a huge what if, and you know, we'll never know, but the devils, you know, clearly were the team that was built better last year. And I think they're built a little bit better this year as well. But uh, you know, you never know with playoff hockey, man, it can always go either way. So obviously I'm sure there's a lot of factors to this and Shesterkin, he didn't really have his best outing in the playoffs. I'm sure he, there were a few goals that he would have liked to have back, but is it safe to say that something was getting into Shesterkin's head a little bit? Because it seemed like Timo Meyer irked him a bit because Meyer didn't have a single point during round one. But the one thing I liked from Meyer, he was playing physical, he was playing aggressive, and this was actually one of the biggest headlines during the playoffs, which was the quote-unquote battle between Shesterkin and Meyer because it seemed like Meyer was uh, getting into his head just a tad bit. And then ultimately Meyer paid the price in game seven by taking a big hit from Jacob Truba, and which knocked him out uh, for game one uh, against the Hurricanes. But yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, on, on how Shesterkin played and just I guess the overall execution by the Rangers in that series. I'm actually looking for my tweet because I think I tweeted out Timo Meyer's name probably a hundred times in that series. And I, I I'm trying to find the exact way I worded it, but I think I tweeted out that Timo Meyer might be the most effective player in the history of an NHL series to never like record a point. Like if you asked me and I watched that series, you know, every game in and out, I would have told you that Meyer had probably like seven points in seven games because of how effective he was. But, you know, he, 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 he left his mark all over the Rangers. Truba, you know, was obviously getting uh, a little pissed at him. Like you said, Igor was obviously getting pissed at him. He was just getting under the skin of everybody. And, you know, he had a lot of scoring chances too. I'm trying to find this tweet. I can't find it. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I was tweeting out Timo Meyer basically the entire time and, and just talking about how incredible I thought he played. Um, oh, here it is. I got it right here. I tweeted out uh, on May 2nd, so I'm not sure which game that was, but I said, has there ever been a more effective player in a series that had zero points other than Timo Meyer? Like, he, he was literally just all over it. Um, and credit to him because, you know, I think that's why the Devils brought him here. He's a guy that can be gritty and, and play 200 feet of the ice and play physical and also put up 40 goals. Like, he does it all. And I think he's going to be a huge difference maker for the Devils this season. And, you know, clearly, like you said, he got under Shesterkin's skin. And, uh, you know, it's crazy to see the effect that Meyer had without having a single point. Like it's, I've never seen anything like it. And, um, you know, I guess it just goes to show how, how effective he can be in all assets of the game. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's definitely going to be a big storyline going into, uh, next season and, uh, all for it. So obviously the Rangers and devils are going to see a lot of each other during the course of uh, this upcoming season. So to close things out, Johnny, tell me your expectations for the Rangers and Devils going into uh, the new year. And like, is it Benajed, uh, Kreider, uh, are, are all those guys, Shesterkin, are, are they going to like give the Devils some trouble when the regular season approaches? Listen, I think these two teams are going to have some unbelievable battles this year. Um, you know, do I, do I know where the Rangers shape up right now against the Devils? No, because, you know, I, I'm curious to see how they play under Laviolette. I'm sure they're going to come out with a lot more fire than they did last year under Gallant. Uh, but I think, obviously, you know, anytime you talk about Sabanajad, Fox, Panarin, they're going to give any team trouble. 
Um, but the Devils have always found a way to have an answer for them. So I, I can't wait for that first matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of animosity. And uh, you know, I'm curious to see what Jack Hughes has up his sleeve, what Timo Meyer can do, how he can affect the game, and uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, yeah, I, I don't really have like a prediction or anything of, of some sorts, but I know that they're going to give us some some good battles, and uh, I can't wait for it. So I, this is a rhetorical question, but am I presumed that there's still bad blood between uh, both these organizations? I think there always will be, no matter what. Um, you know, it's funny. I think you started out the show by saying that the Rangers are the Devils' biggest rival, and I've always said the Devils the Rangers' biggest rival. But for whatever reason, some people on our end don't think so. Uh, but I think if last year's playoff series taught us anything, it's that this rivalry is definitely renewed. All righty, now Johnny. So where can where can my audience find you at? Uh, you can just follow me on X. Uh, Jay Lazzy 23 and I do a lot of work with a bunch of different companies like you stated um, you know I do a lot of content with Bleacher Report I actually did an interview with Jack for Bleacher Report which will be coming out um, relatively soon I think and that was a lot of fun uh, so I'm sure Devil fans will like that one but um, yeah I mean just pretty much on Twitter Instagram Johnny Lazarus and that's about it but Trey thank you so much for having me I appreciate it and uh, it's gonna be a fun year of Ranger Devils battles absolutely hope to have you back on the show at some point in the future and like I did to, cl to close out every episode Continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Check out Johnny's work for NHL, the Hockey News, Bleacher Report, and a few others. Johnny, the pleasure is always mine, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate it.